0: Yo, this is Pastor Tito here and this is The Revolutionary Podcast. Every week we look into God's Word so that we can learn how to better revolve our lives around Christ so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, He can make a difference in us and through us. And so today we are looking at the second half of Peter's message that he gave on the day of Pentecost, which launched the mission, one of the most successful, if not no, the most successful and longest running movements in the history of the world. And it was something that Jesus instituted with his life, death, and resurrection, and with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on individuals. And this movement is all wrapped up, and at the core of the movement is one thing, a message. This message is important. It is all that we have, and it is the most powerful thing that we have. So let's see the second half of Peter's message to see how we can live out the same purpose are continuing our study on the book of Acts. And so if you've joined us for the first time online or if you've been for a little bit, my name is Pastor Tito. And so there is an approach to what we are doing in this year and that we are slow cooking a book. All right. We're marinating this one. I know any rib fans in the house, you know, when you, when you smoke some brisket, that don't take five minutes. All right. That takes some time. But when you slow marinate that stuff when you slow cook it. It's amazing. So that's what we're gonna do. So we're gonna slow cook a book this entire year. And the main, the main reason being, all right, for number one, <clears throat> let me just talk to Christians. So I want to make sure I communicate in a way, guys, that you are tracking that you are helping to see that. Yo, sometimes I know I've done this, too, where we speed read through things and we miss so many amazing jewels that are just laying there on the surface. And then also at the same time, deeper down when we slow down. So number one for Christians, I want you guys to be able to get a greater appreciation of God's word and also for everybody else that maybe you're not used to reading the Bible, you're not used to hearing, these are probably gonna be verses that you're hearing for the first time. Well, I wanna be able to help you understand that there is so much more to this book than you realize. And so, as we're looking at the book of Acts, we're gonna do part two of this message. We talked about it last week, you were hearing a little bit of it there. So the Apostle Peter is talking to a group of people, thousands of people that were here, to over 2,000 years ago, and his message was, Primarily making sure that everybody there did not take for granted what was happening because it was a historic moment that we Christians, we call Pentecost, which was actually a Jewish holiday there. But there was a historic moment there that he wanted to make sure, guys, I don't want you to miss out on this. You all need to see and understand what is happening and going On, because this was something that for the jews they were waiting for they were longing for hoping one day god would do this and so my same heart is for you today i don't want you to take god's word for granted and i don't want you to take for granted what god has offered us what he has granted us through the life and death and resurrection of jesus and so that is my heart for you as we look at a very interesting and uh difficult word that Peter had to say that I'm going to have to say. And it's going to be a bumpy ride, but it's going to be fun. All right. So here we go. All right. So let's look at Acts chapter two. We're going to keep going. Peter was mentioning. We stopped halfway through a message that he was saying. And so we're going to pick it up where we left off. And here Peter gives four different appeals. And we're going to look at his first a personal appeal that he gives. So let's just read quickly. Acts two, just one verse, verse twenty two. So after he quotes from this old prophecy from the book of Joel that was written hundreds of years before, he says, fellow Israelites, listen to these words that he's about to speak. This Jesus of Nazareth, y'all remember that name for a future day or maybe even today, Uh, we'll see. Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs that God did among who? Among you. He did these things among you through him, just as you yourselves know. Now I'm going to read just one quick verse, verse 32. Later on, he says these things. This God, we're talking about God raised Jesus. He raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. So we'll come back to that in a minute. So I want you to just hear this personal appeal that he is talking to them about. Everything here, just to give a historical context. Again, if you've never read or understand what this is, Jesus had been crucified on the cross. All right. Everybody knew. I mean, Jesus was the talk of the town. Everybody knew who Jesus was. Everybody was there to see, yo, he he had, you know, multiplying all this fish and bread the last time. I wonder what he's going to do today. I mean, they knew that this guy was different. And these people that are gathered there, he says, listen, you guys all know, you've not only heard the stories, you've seen the guy. You've probably heard him preach. You've heard him. I mean, he would have so many people in so many different ways see him, experience him, hear his words. And so this crowd was very familiar with Jesus, all right, because he had been crucified on the cross. Three days later, rose from the dead, 50 days from that point. So this is fresh, guys. It's barely been two months, all right? Like right now, I'm, uh, a little equivalent of where we are now to Thanksgiving, right? That just happened. That wasn't too long ago. And so around that time, every, he's trying to help them to see these things. You guys know this Jesus I'm talking about. You've experienced him. Oh, and by the way, I've experienced him in a new way. I don't know if you caught what I said in verse 32. <clears throat> he said, we saw him raised from the dead. And so he's making this personal appeal. And this is one point that you need to understand really close, that in a short amount of time, under two months, guys, the apostles went from cowards to courageous in under two months. Cowards to courageous. I mean, not even two months prior to this, Jesus is being arrested. And what happens? All of his boys, his crew, they bail on him. They bail, except for Peter. I mean, Peter tried to put up a fight, but we don't know what happened. All we know is that he took a sword and tried to take somebody's head off and only took his ear off. So we don't know if the dude can fight, if he's kind of, if he gave, you know, one of these or like, how do you aim for a head and slice an ear? I mean, that takes some precision. So either you know what you're doing or you don't. I don't know. But this was this Peter that after that took off. This is his crew, his boys, and when he got arrested, they left him alone. Only one stood at the cross when he was dying and when he died, and it was John, the Apostle John, John 3.16, that guy. Everybody else, where were they? Nowhere to be found. Peter himself cussed out a little girl after denying the fact because they're saying, yo, you were with Jesus, little girl. Um, uh, no, I wasn't. And he added some other explanation. You know, I'm not going to bother. So he cussed a little girl out that was claiming you were with him. No, 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 that ain't me. Because, see, if, if they're doing this to him, what are they going to do to me? Because I, no, 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 that's not me, bro. You got the wrong guy. What happened? Even the day that Jesus rose from the dead, where were these apostles? Do you know where they weren't were? They weren't were. Wow, horrible English. You know where they weren't? They were not at the tomb. They were not at the tomb waiting because, hey, Jesus said he's going to resurrect from the dead three days later. Guys, come on. It's almost. Let's go. Let's count down. Let's, you know, they weren't there. They weren't at the tomb because they were hiding. Because they thought, oh, my gosh, they actually killed him. Were we wrong? about this, and if they killed him, what are they gonna to do to us? Cowards. But see, something transforms your life when you see someone slaughtered in front of you, and then oh, not even a weekend later, he's standing with you, in front of you, talking, speaking, and this is not an illusion. This was not I mean, this is the real person who was with them for 40 days in between them. So they went from courage. They went from cowards to courageous because they saw their risen savior conquer sin and death and come back and was great. So that changes your life. When you encounter the risen Jesus, uh, you are never the same again. And so here he is making this personal appeal. He's retelling his story and retelling their experience that they've all seen and we've seen. Oh, and by the way, I have a detail. I saw him come to life. Let me just pause and encourage some believers here. See, Peter is doing the same thing that us as Christians were called to do every single day. All right, so online, everybody pay attention. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to know that the job to relay the information of Jesus is not just my job description. It's all of ours. My job is to help you tell your story better. And so I'm going to do that right now. And so listen, do not overcomplicate this. I did this. I hear so many Christians do the same thing. Do not overcomplicate sharing your testimony or the gospel. Because you know what a testimony is? It is just you telling your story. That's it. A testimony is telling your story. What did God do in your life? Peter, years later, in one of his other letters in the back of the New Testament, he actually says, Listen, as a believer, you are called and responsible for telling others about the hope that you have. You are not, you you do not have to answer every single question or objection that everybody has. You don't have to in order to share the gospel. All you're called to do is share the story that you have. Why do you believe? Why do you believe? What was the difference? And guys, the, you, you tell a story the same way you tell all these stories. You guys know when something happens to you, it's not hard to tell the story. Yo, you, gotta, you know what happened to me the other day, but let me tell you, right? Or, or you know it's a good story when somebody starts off with, listen, what happened, right? <laughs> Already, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> okay, all right, okay, what happened was, shush. Listen, but you tell the story because what? It's your story. If they don't believe your story, does it now, does it not validate your story anymore? No, they just chose not to believe it, but your story is your story. And so we share our story the same way, guys. Listen, we talk about our turning points. You share the story of your faith by talking about the turning point. This was my life. Here's what Jesus, when I met Jesus, this is what happened. And here's my life ever since. He is the hinge of the story. You see that? That's it. So don't complicate things. It's not that hard. I'm here to tell you, you know what successful evangelism, which evangelism is just you telling your story. Do you know what is a successful evangelism? Not when somebody believes in Jesus. This sounds weird. A successful testimony is not the fact that everybody that heard it believed it. Success is the fact that you spoke. That's success. The fact that you spoke, that's success. If you keep your mouth shut, that's failure. I used to keep my mouth shut more often than not because, me this is Oh my gosh! What if I say it wrong? Or what if I say it in a way that that you know, like listen, this fool. Look, at, no, I'm not gonna believe in Jesus. And then now he's standing before Jesus about you know in the judgment throne. He's going to hell. I'm like, bro, why couldn't you not send me somebody else? You sent me this B squad guy. Why couldn't you send me somebody else to tell me? I would have believed it, but this guy was a fool. And now I'm gonna pay for that. Was me. I was so stressed out thinking I need to do it right because if not, they're gonna be in hell forever. It's gonna be all my fault. Guys, no, because. People are not convinced by your storytelling or your charisma or your this or your that. People are not convinced by that. It's only God that can open up their eyes. But only God can open up their eyes when you open up your mouth. See it? I've said this before, I'll say it again. The gospel is spread the same way gossip does. How do you spread gossip? Ooh, y'all, we're all good at that. Let's be real. We're all good at spreading gossip. How do you spread gossip? You tell somebody. And how do you spread the gospel? Tell somebody. Same thing. So don't overcomplicate it. That is how you share your faith. So Peter, he keeps on going. He makes a personal appeal, and now he's going to make a historical appeal. All right, let's go to verse 23. Look at this next verse he says. Peter goes off and says, though he, being Jesus, though he was delivered up, ooh, y'all watch this. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and for knowledge. There's some, beef in that, those phrases. God, Jesus was delivered up to the Roman officials to be crucified and God, it was according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge. You, meaning the crowd, you use lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. Is that a way to win over a crowd? Okay, think of that. He says, uh, yeah, y'all killed him. You guys killed him. Now, there is something interesting here that you guys got to check in that phrase. He said, hey, Jesus died on the cross. So, you know, everybody knew what had happened. Everybody knew what had happened. And Peter says this crazy statement that the only reason he knows it is because Jesus, while he was resurrected and spent a month with them, he told them. He was like, guys, I know you thought this was nuts, nuts but you know what's even crazier? That was the plan all along. The crucifixion was not a coincidence. It was not a coincidence. Apparently, when we see this, it was the plan A from all along. At the very beginning, if you've ever read Genesis, you know the story. If not, I'll help you. God creates the whole world, and it was good, right? He makes everything. He puts Adam and Eve. He puts people in charge. And then sin enters the world. And then God is like, oh, my gosh. I was like, now look, look what they did. Now they messed it all up. And what am I going to do? I can't believe these two. What did they it's not what he did, okay? And so I want you to know that when sin came into the world, God didn't flip out. He's not like, oh, my gosh, these kids, these kids, my kids, these kids. How am I going to unravel this? It didn't take him then 3,000, 4,000, however much time in between and be like, oh, all right, now I know. All right, Jesus, we tried everything. Why don't you get in the game and let him crucify you and see if that works, okay? It didn't go down like that. You know what's crazy is this. Before God spoke the words, let there be light, and he started the sequence, he knew, when I push this domino and it continues on, plan A from beginning before that phrase was uttered was, I'm going to die for their sins and show them my love. It was plan A all along. Jesus dying on the cross was never plan C, D, nothing. It was always plan A. And the fact that from the very beginning, I mean, there's a lot of time that has happened. And guys, you know, we all make plans and there's so many things that alter your plans, right? You want to get somewhere on time. You want to do this. You want to do that. You want to raise money, save money, spend this, do that. And then things happen that I'm like, all right, well, I got to delay that. I got to wait. I got to do. You know what it was? That God's plan, no matter what happened in human history, God's plan was always constant. It was always at work. Perfect. And at the right time, according Paul says, Jesus died at the right time, at the right moment, in the right way. At the right time. That's the, inter- it was God's perfect plan. This is what's called divine sovereignty. Sovereignty just shows how in control God is. That no matter what was going on in the world, his plan was going to happen exactly to the T. But here's the thing about divine sovereignty, guys. Divine sovereignty does not absolve human responsibility. All right? Divine sovereignty does not absolve human responsibility. What do I mean by that? Y'all caught this. He said, guys, it was God's plan for Jesus to be crucified on the cross. And because you guys were participants in it, y'all guilty. Whoa, 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 hold on. I mean, think about that. If it was God's plan for Jesus to be crucified, somebody had to do it. Apparently, the people there, they volunteered. And so just because it was God's plan for it to happen doesn't mean that the guilty party is off the hook. And they cannot claim ignorance of it. Now, this is kind of an interesting thing. It was like, wait a minute, I thought the Romans killed them, Or I thought there was the religious people. Well, Yeah, there was a lot there. And that crowd that was standing there in front of Peter was thousands of people. And the reason why they were there, we said this last week, it was a Jewish holiday. All right, so track with this. It's a Jewish holiday that Jews from all around the area would gather together in Jerusalem and they would celebrate this. Well, the same people were there 50 days prior. They were there for Passover. That was another celebration. They all got together to celebrate Passover. They were all there, witnesses to Jesus' crucifixion. And the crowd that was there were either complicit, meaning they joined the religious figures when they were saying, hey, let's crucify him. I was like, yeah, yeah, you know what? Crucify the dude. Take him out, crucify him. They were either joining in the crowd, crucify him, or they were the ones standing back saying, nothing. Nothing. You guys know that that's actually the wrong thing, right? When you do, you know, standing silent in the face of evil or wickedness, you know that that is wrong. Doing nothing. You're seeing something wrong happen and you stay silent. Do nothing. Say nothing. Isn't that wrong? So this whole crowd of people, he put them on them and said, y'all guilty. You. Not the Romans. You killed them. Divine sovereignty does not absolve human responsibility. Just because y'all didn't know what you were doing doesn't mean you're off the hook. Isn't it interesting? What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them because they, they don't know what they're doing. But just because they didn't know what they're doing, they still needed to be forgiven. There was something, there was a penalty that needed to be paid. Listen, I've had this. I know you, you guys have probably had similar experiences, but I've got two speeding tickets. Listen, they were accidents, I swear, okay? Both of them were accidents, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to speed. I didn't even know I was speeding. All right. And so they were both in the same spot. You think I would learn my lesson? Same spot, two months apart, two tickets, same guy. I mean, it was the same state trooper, pulled me over twice. And so there's there's the Veterans Expressway here in Tampa that there's a section that goes 75 and another one that goes 60. Okay. Guess which one I was going. All right. I was going 75 because I was in the 75 section. Well, my ADD self, I, st- I wasn't paying attention anymore. I missed the sign. I forgot where I was, because most of that, it's, it's all the same. It looks the same, it's just trees upon trees upon trees. So I missed it, I wasn't paying attention. I'm still going 75 in the 60, thinking I'm in the 75. Whoop, whoop, oh, there it goes, and I'm like, I'm looking, I'm like, wait, what the, what am I? I'm, no, I already knew what happened. Pulls me over, do you know how fast you were going? Yes, yeah, sir, I'm sorry, I was going 75. I thought, I, was, I thought it was still the 75 section, I'm sorry. Well, don't matter. All right. Rode me a ticket. Well, um, two months later, same thing happened. I got on the veterans thinking I was getting on because I got off in a place that I normally don't go. And so I got in on a different spot. That's what threw me off because I'm I'm a ritualistic person like that. I just forgot. I thought I was getting on to the 75 section. Nope. I got onto the 60. So I'm hopping, going 75. Now, same dude. And I see his I mean, beautiful white hair. I mean, like it's the same guy. And so he pulled me over, got me twice. And the same thing it was like, do you know why I pulled you over? Yes, I'm sorry, I wasn't making it. <laughs> Here you go. $584 later, right? Two tickets. But here's the thing. I didn't mean to do that. Sincerely, I didn't mean to do that. I did not mean to speed. I did not mean to break the law. And I didn't even know I was breaking the law. But just because I didn't know I was breaking the law, and just because I didn't know what I was doing, doesn't mean I can be automatically off the hook. You know, the guy could be like, ah, I'll let it slide. But still, I broke the law, didn't I? And he couldn't say, oh, you didn't know? It's okay. You can go. Just because you didn't know, and just because you didn't know you were doing it wrong, doesn't mean that you're off the hook. These guys didn't know that they were participating. They didn't know what they were doing. But yet, they still needed to be forgiven because they were guilty. Y'all follow me? Guys, same thing works for us. Same thing works for us. You do not even know the half, the quarter, the the percentage of how much you have broken God's laws. You do not. God has a law and a standard. You do not know how badly you've broken it on accident because you know what sin is? Sin is not just doing the wrong thing. Sin is not just doing the wrong thing. It's also doing the right thing at the wrong time. You know that that's the right thing at the wrong time is still wrong. And you you know what's even worse? You can do the right thing at the right time, but if you do it with the wrong motive, that's sin. You can be loving and obedient to your mom and your dad, but if you're doing it because you're manipulative and you're like that person and you've got a scheme and you're trying to work the system, you're not loving, you're being selfish and you're being prideful and you're using somebody that you ought to love and serve, do you see that? That is sin, it's a bigger deal than any one of us realize. And guys, our rap sheet is bad. Our rap sheet is bad, and we don't even know it. They didn't know it. They needed to be told that. I'm telling you, it's bad. But there's good news that comes with this. See, here's the bad news. Peter's laying it down. Listen, there's bad news. You guys are all guilty. You guys messed up. Oh, and wait, there's some more bad news. I'm going to let you know in a minute. I'll tell you. But see, there's no good news if it doesn't come after some bad news, right? For there to be good news, you need to hear what? Bad news. The bad news is y'all guilty. Good news is, Jesus did something about it. So let's keep going let's see. Now, all right, this is the largest section of the verses we're gonna read. Let's read 24 through 36. He just dropped that mic. He told everybody, y'all guilty. And then he goes in 24, and let's just read a good chunk, all right? Then he says this statement, God raised him up, Jesus, meaning he rose him from the dead. God raised him up. Ending the pains of death, ending the reign of death because it was not possible for Jesus to be held by death. We're gonna come back to that. For David says of him, now he's quoting an old verse hundreds of years before this was spoken done. He says this, King David, David and Goliath, that guy. I saw the Lord before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. And moreover, my flesh will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to Hades, to hell, to death, allowing your holy one to see decay. You have revealed the path of life to me. You will fill me with gladness in your presence. End quote from the from the book of Psalms. And then Peter continues on and says, Brothers and sisters, I can confidently speak to you. He's not guessing here. He's like, Listen, I know what I'm saying. Confidently I can speak to you about the patriarch David. He's both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. So he's talking about not dying, but we all know David died. We all can visit his tomb, put some flowers on the guy right there. We would see where it's at. Since he was a prophet, he being David, knew that God sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on the throne, seeing what was to come. He saw the future. God, God allowed David to see the future. He spoke concerning the resurrection, not of himself, but of a Messiah, of the one that the Jews were waiting for, the promised one. He was not David. He being God did not abandon me, not David, the Messiah in Hades. And his flesh did not experience decay. It did not rot God raised this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. We've seen it for ourselves. So therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see in here. Pause. So last week, there was this sound that we talked about. The Holy Spirit came down. It was like the sound of a hurricane, of a tornado, that a sound of wind that just blew up. It was like an explosion. That's what everybody heard. It was like an explosion, but they saw no damage. They, they knew where the sound came from, but there was no damage, and that was pretty bad. So you have all this crowd gathering together, and he's telling them what you heard and you saw. That's what the prophet Joel said. That's what they, all those Jews were believing, that they knew with that one day God would pour out his, the, the Holy Spirit on the world. He says, you guys are hearing it. You guys are seeing it. And I'm gonna keep on going, verse 34. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, But Jesus, he himself, he says, David says this, I'm sorry. The Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool, unquote. Then he says, therefore, he wraps up his message really quick. Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know with certainty that God made this Jesus whom you crucified, just one more, all right, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, drops his mic. Now, guys, one thing for Christians, let me tell you, yo, Peter's spitting some scripture real quick. He has quoted Joel 20, Joel 2, 28 through 32, Psalm 16, 8 through 11, and Psalms 110, 1. So if you're a Christian in the house, let me tell you, memorizing and meditating on scripture, that's good for your personal edification, but apparently it's good for evangelism too. So it is good to know God's word, to hide his word. In you. you never know, you, you need those locked and loaded because you never know what God may use in that moment and God's word is more powerful than your own. And so that's an important one. So this is just a cool little caveat to the importance of memorizing scripture and meditating on it. But there's some statements that he said. The first one was about death, Holy Spirit, and then those two names. Did y'all hear he said death could not hold, death could not claim Jesus. Why? Because see, death and hell, that was the association, that was all together. God did not make, God did not make hell for people who are just mean to him, okay? He made it for the devil and demons, those who rebelled against him. And the thing is that it's big enough for whoever says, uh, I'm on team Satan, not on team Jesus. God doesn't send people there, ultimately he does, but it's because you set yourself, you've chosen a side. You have chosen a side. And so with this moment, he says, why could death not hold him? Because see, death can only have, hell can only have legal rights in your life if there is sin to claim, that's it. Death can only claim your soul if there is sin attached To you, because it's what you owe. Peter, Paul says this statement later in Romans. He says, the wages of sin is death. You know what that phrase means? It's this, y'all know what wages are. Wages is what's owed to you. Think of a salary, all right? What are the wages of the 40 hours a week that you put at your work? Whatever you get paid per hour, right? Or maybe it's salary. That's your wages. Maybe some of you guys don't have a job, so you go to school. What are your wages for school? Well, I study and I do tests to get what? A grade. Right. I do something. My activity. Oh, they owe me something. Right. The teacher owes me a grade. My boss owes me money because I'm putting in work for the guy or for whoever. Right. That's what you owe. So the wages of your work is your money. It's whatever it is. The wages of your studies is is uh, your grade. So what is the wage of sin? What do you get for your participation in sin? You get death. That is what is owed to you. Because here's the thing, guys, when you participate in sin, you now owe a debt. You break God's law and you owe a debt. You're not doing what you need to be doing and you are owing a debt to God and to the grave. And so here's what happens, guys. Some of you, y'all, y'all not adults, y'all don't know this, but some of you guys have mortgages. Some of you guys have student loans. Some of you guys, oh, you know, have credit cards. Guys, let me ask you a question. Let's just say you'd be like, I don't feel like paying anymore. Let's say you just decide that right now. I don't feel like paying for yeah, I owe you how much? I don't care. All right, you just make that decision. You ain't paying your debts off anymore. What's gonna happen? They can come after you, can't they? Can't that credit card come after you? Can't, the company, can't that mortgage company come after you? The, the one who owes that car note, that owns it? Can't they come after you and take that from you and take even more? Why? Because you owe them and they have legal rights to that stuff because it's not yours. It's not yours, right? They're the owner. You're paying them. If you choose to not pay it, it's theirs to take, right? It's theirs to take. Same thing when you break the law. When you break the law, it's like, hey, you owe a debt to society. And so you have to pay your debt to society. Have you ever heard that phrase before? You got to pay your debt to society. Same thing. So here's what happens, guys. When you die in sin, when you die in your sin, it's like, all right, time to pay up. Time to pay off the debt for your soul. What, what what do you got? I got nothing. So now death has legal rights, and hell has legal rights over your soul. But death couldn't hold Jesus. Why? Because Jesus had no sin on him. He said, the Bible says he became sin. Didn't mean that he did it all. No, he was punished like if he had committed every sin that every person in human history that will ever live will ever have done. He took that whole punishment on the cross. That's what he did. He didn't do it, but he was punished like he did. And so when Jesus seen face to face with, he goes into the grave and he, and death now envelops him. Death's like, oh, wait a minute. Who what, what the, I don't, I got nothing on you. I got nothing on you. There's nothing because there was no sin on Jesus. And I hate the fact that I saw this video on TikTok and I, and I hate the fact that I missed this guy's name. I can't give him credit, but he said something so amazing. He said, Jesus lived the most beautiful life ever. Imagine, Jesus lived the most beautiful life ever. He never hurt anyone. He never, he never uh, lusted after someone he, he never had malice in his heart towards anyone. He, he, never, he never did anything. All he did was beautiful and pure. Jesus lived the most perfect and beautiful life. There was nothing that could stick on him. But yet when he went into the grave, he stood up and he snapped the chains of death like if there were spaghetti noodles. Why? Because death could not claim him because there was no sin on him. And because he did that for us, he in essence, he said, oh, he paid, remember what I said, when you can break the law, now you have to go to jail to pay back you know, your debt to society because you broke the law. Well, Jesus got punished like if he committed every single crime, every single sin against God. And so when death was like pay up, I'm like, I got you. Boom. By the way, I'm free. I got paid off their debts. They're all free to go, too. That's what Jesus did for us. He paid for the debt of our sin. He was punished so we wouldn't have to be punished. He lived and died and rose from the dead so we can live. That's what he did. He did something amazing for us. And because death could not claim him, now guess what? If you're in Christ, death can't claim you because you don't belong. You owe nothing anymore. You belong to him. You belong to him. That's what Jesus did. And that's what he's trying to help them to realize. This is why death could not hold them. And then he's trying to tell these people, guys, you heard what you're seeing, the sound that you heard. This is what Joel was talking about. It's the Holy Spirit. And the Jews knew, hold on, wait a minute. If the Holy Spirit can only come down in this way, for the, but the Messiah has to come first. The Messiah comes first. And once the Messiah comes, then the Holy Spirit comes down. We're seeing this. This is exactly what the holy spirit supposed to do and if the holy spirit came that means the messiah already did that was what was shocking to them it's undeniable i'm like wait if the holy spirit's here that means the messiah came already who is he that's why peter ends that statement remember i said jesus of nazareth remember how peter described him as jesus of nazareth you know who described and came up with that name it wasn't the jews it wasn't peter it wasn't the disciples jesus of nazareth was the sign that that hung above jesus's cross Pontius Pilate put that name on there to make fun of him. This Jesus of this Nazareth, this pathetic city, the king of the Jews, it was a mocking statement. And so Peter says, yeah, that Jesus of Nazareth, that guy, yeah, God made him Lord and Messiah. Those are Old Testament words that he's talking to Old Testament Bible Jewish people. You know what that means? When he says the word Lord, he's saying God. Jesus was God. Oh, and by the way, he was also the anointed one, the one that the Jews were expecting that God would send to save them and to restore them. Guys, those two statements are huge. He is saying, listen, Jesus wasn't some guy. Jesus was actually God. Oh, and by the way, he was also the Messiah. God did not send a proxy. Hey, Messiah, why don't you go and help him figure it out? Yo, I got you, you know? He did not send someone in his stead. God himself came. He showed up. He was our Messiah, and by the way, you killed him. Good job. <laughs> Can you just, that's the thing. When he told them that, that mic drop moment, they panicked. We killed the Messiah? What do we do now? That's the statement. Look what, that was their response. Let's look at now verse 37 and 41. I've in, upon Paul's words, it says, guys, huh, Jesus was God, he was the Messiah, you killed him. Look at verse 37, all the way to 41, it says, when they heard these words, they said they pierced to the heart. They were pierced to the heart. You guys have had anyone ever tell you something, say something to you, and yo, that hurt, right? Just emotional damage for real, right? To the deep and core of you. And so you see this, like, yo, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of them, brothers, what should we do? This is not a statement when, All right, Peter, that's interesting. So uh, now what? Okay. This was not some flippant statement. This was a, this came from desperation. Like, what do we do now? You've all said that, right? When you did something, you were like, oh, my mom's going to kill me. Right? Oh my gosh, my spouse is going to, oh, I can't, I don't want them to come home. I don't want them to come home. Baby, let's go out to eat. Let's not, let's let's not, don't worry. I'll meet you there. Right? That was the statement. It was like, they're going to, I'm going to die. What is God going to do to us? What do we do, Peter? What do we do? And he says this amazing radical appeal. Peter says, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call with many other words, with many other words, he urged them strongly, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted this message were baptized, and they that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. That church 3,000 people came to believe in Jesus. And so, guys, here's what they're saying they're realizing, What did we do? We killed the Messiah. What is God going to do to us now? You don't think I'm like, all right, God, that was my fault. You think you can like respawn another Messiah real quick. Let's get a do over and a little mulligan. And can we try this again? That's uh, my, we didn't know. It's like, you know, again, claiming ignorance. You can't claim ignorance to that. And so they killed the Messiah. What are we going to do now? Are we hopeless now? If, and what is God going to do to us? If we killed him and he rose from the dead and he's going to come back coming from, what is he going to do to us? Peter says this amazing statement. Yeah, the Messiah, you killed him. Oh, and by the way, he still loves you and he wants to forgive you too. It's still for you. The promise hasn't been canceled. The promise hasn't been canceled. It is still for you all. They were cut to the heart because they realized they killed their Messiah. And then they, that, that cut was healed when they realized God still loves you. He, they, they gave him a hit and God didn't come back for him. He said, I still love you. And guys, what we see here, there, there's an amazing amazing process because there's two groups of people not everybody believed that day It was just three thousand but there was a lot of other people that didn't and so you had two options when you hear things that i'm talking about things when you hear whatever's in god's word you got two options you can reject it and just be done with it and deal with the consequences later but that means you're on your own again you're on your own if you reject it. you are on your own or you can receive it and how do you receive it look how these people received it they first there was remorse and then there was repentance and then there was rejoicing, all three. See, guys, repentance without remorse is like saying, my bad, okay? If you're going to repent of something, that's not like an oops, I didn't mean to, I'll try harder next time. Repentance is this when you're just realizing it comes from true remorse. And you realized, yo, I messed up. I messed up. And I can't go back and fix it. I can't go undo it. I messed up up. I'm sorry. Like that kind of, uh, I mean, deep. That's where it comes from. Once that remorse sets, what can you do? Peter just said one thing. All you do is repent. You know what repent means? It means change your mind and turn around. To repent from something is to turn away from something and towards something else. And you do that right here. It's turning right here. To repent is to change your mind. It's to change your heart, which leads to a changed life. It means, listen, you guys need to change your mind and your opinion about who Jesus was. He wasn't some guy. He was the Messiah. And your sin is worse than you thought. You need to change your mind about who he is, about who you are. I mean, we are constantly doing that. We are constantly being led and influenced by the world, by our culture, by our friends. Who are we? Who are this? Who is that? He said, that's what true repentance means. Repentance means, God, I'm I'm in the wrong. You're in the right. Forgive me. And then there's rejoicing that always follows with repentance, guys, because when you look down at yourself and you realize, bro, I am a hotter mess than I realize, but then you look up and you see that God's love is burning hotter than you can ever imagine and think. God loves you right now. Just try to process this and you probably can't. God loves you right now as if you've done nothing wrong ever. He loves you as if you were perfect right now. Now, are you perfect Online, are you perfect? Are are y'all perfect? Yes or no? We all know we're not. Well, guess what? There is nothing that you can do to make God love you any less. And there's nothing that you can do to make him love you any more. He just flat out loves you. That's who he is, despite all this stuff. And his love is able to do and fix and make all those things, but you got to recognize that and turn from whatever this world is and turn from everything and say, God, I'm, I can't do this on my own. I need you. The Jews realized they messed up. Those 3,000 people, they knew they messed up. And guys, here's the thing. You, we all know. We've all messed up. But if God can forgive the very people who spit in his face, the very people who remain silent at his unjust crucifixion, the very people who shouted out, crucify him. If God God can forgive those people who are active in his actual crucifixion, if he can forgive them, what can't he forgive? Good news, guys. Nothing. There is nothing that he can't forgive. Not one person that he says, no, not you. You, you, good, but no, not you. (laughs) I know what you did to me. I remember what you did to my boy. If he can be willing and loving to receive them, guys, there's not one person that he won't stiff arm. Not one person that he won't put away. And so what you and I need to do is the same thing that Paul was trying to get them to understand. Do not take this, what he did for us, and the fact that we have now, Jesus has not returned yet. Do not take this time. Do not take what he did for granted. You guys know what it's like. We've all taken people for granted, opportunities for granted, and what happens? You don't feel it until it's gone, until the person's gone, until the moment's gone. Can you get that person back? Can you get that moment back? No. That's why we uh, we feel weird when we take things for granted. Guys, do not take things. Do not take God for granted. Rather, you can experience all that He grants us through His life, through His love, all of it. And we're called to. All He asks you to do is to be able to receive it receive it in that way that we talked about. We receive it by faith alone. Guys, this is not a life of performance that he's inviting you to. him'm like, all right, you love me? Cool, prove it. okay? No, this is not a life of performance that now I need to see uh, I need to see if you really are for real. okay? It is not a life of performance. This is a life of pardon. This is a life of pardon, a life of process, of us growing in who God is. And so we receive it by faith, and that's it. And then let me talk to some of you guys, especially believers. If you received it, you know what you do next? keep reflecting on it. That's what we're doing now. We are right now reflecting on his love, reflecting once again about what he has done. It is great because the more we reflect on it, the bigger it gets, the more beautiful and more into focus it becomes. We're supposed to reflect on this and then relay this information. We receive it, we reflect on it, and then we relay this information. Why? Because there's other people out there that they need to, again, God won't open up their eyes if we don't open up our mouths. Now, God can do that. He doesn't necessarily need you you're gonna see a moment there's times that God will just directly mess with people but at the same time he recruits all of us to be able to open up our open up our mouths open up our arms open up our hearts God opens up people's eyes that's his job you have one and so I'm gonna ask you this question it's a very obvious question if you were on fire if you were on fire what would you want somebody to do for you drown you in gasoline or drown you in water pick Obviously, come on. If you were on fire, what would you want somebody to do? You would want them to drown you in water. Would you want them to drown you in gasoline? No, you would want them to drown you in water. Well, here's the thing I need you to understand that the only thing that can put out the fire of sin in your soul is the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that can quench and put out that fire. Everything else is just adding gas to something that's already burning. It is not gonna make it any better. It is not going to make it any better. And this is why we need to relay information because you know how the blood quenches that fire it, through our words, through that relaying the message, relaying the good news. Hey, bad news. You're on fire. Good news. I got water. OK, that's what it is. And oh, by the way, good. You know, the bad news was so was I. But I'm not, not anymore. Why? Because this works. You've had that experience. This is real. And so it is important for us to be able to relay that information, not as cowards, but as courageous individuals, like so many pastors are doing today, especially in Canada. Right now, there are hundreds, if not thousands of pastors on today, January 16th, defying a Canadian law that just went into, uh, into effect maybe eight to 10 days ago. It's uh, Bill C4, C-4, okay? And part of what Bill C-4 does, is it bans conversion therapy now this is something that is some people do that if you have a gender dysphoria like you have a you, you feel like you are one gender trapped in another body or its sexual orientations you know anything like that it's these things that you go to and you go through programs to try to, un, to be un-gay or un-trans or un-this or that. Now I will say there's a lot of that stuff that's all messed up. I will, there's a lot of, some of the people that they put things out there, it's all man-based things clouded in religion. It's just all, hey, you need to try harder. That doesn't work. It's like me looking at you, you're on fire. Hey, just stop burning. You know, like just, can you not burn? No? Okay, you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. A lot of this conversion therapy, that's what it does. But here's the thing. They loaded this bill once again with it. Anyone that even propagates the myth of, and the myth is the way they defined it is how God's word defines gender, how God's word defines sexual identity and and gender identity. Um, Even if you propagate the myth, two to five years jail time of speaking. Not just telling you, speaking. Speaking. So thousands of Christian pastors right now are standing up in opposition of, and hey, they're putting their lives on, they, they might be arrested after the service today. And a lot of uh, American pastors are doing the same thing today. And that's, and I'm here to say, relay the same information, guys. Those people are boldly declaring, listen, God's word matters. I'm not here to make you feel any better. Because again, if you're on fire, that's me, me putting more gas on the fire. I love you, I'm not here to say anything hurtful or harmful, and I know it hurts because it's, it's rooted in so many people's identities, but the thing that I want and those pastors want you and what God wants us to realize is that you are more than just your sexual attraction. You are more than just your gender. You There's more to it than that. Your identity is not found in yourself. It is not here, it is in God. He is the only thing that can fill that void. He's the only thing that can fill that void. So if you got all these governments and cultures and stuff, they're just making you feel better about yourself, saying, no, nothing's fine, just keep going. Uh, Just because you feel better about yourself doesn't make it any better. No, it's adding gas to the fire. And your good deeds are not enough for anything, guys. Not just forget those two things. I mean, there's so everything that we are out of bounds on. Again, I said we have all, we all got a crazy rap sheet. We all of us do. And so doing better is like saying, okay, well, if I just behave better, God, I'll make it up. No, there is no amount of good deeds. Your good deeds is adding gas to the fire. And even your religious acts, showing up to church, pretending. Listen, some of y'all are good fakes, all right? Some of y'all are good fakes. I'm not, not y'all. I know y'all, right? But I'm just saying. Some people are some good fakes, right? They, they, they know the game. They know the language. They know how to play it. And you never would have known. But Eve, just because God says, oh, you read the Bible every day? Oh, and you went to church most often? All right, yeah, you can come, bro. so you can slide. None of our religious acts, good deeds, opinions, none of those things. You may feel better about yourself, but you're still the same person. You're still the same person. You may feel better, but you didn't make anything better. You're still the same. You're still the same. All of it is just gas to the fire. This is why Peter was boldly telling them, hey, y'all killed Jesus. He didn't tell them that out of hatred or condemnation. He was telling them out of love. Out of love, you guys messed up and God still loves you anyways. Receive that love. And so guys, I'm here to tell, I'm here to remind all of you, listen, we all, we've all messed up royally more than we've ever thought or ever could imagine. But God still loves us and he grants us we cannot take for granted his love rather experience what does he grant us he grants us love he grants us acceptance he grants us fulfillment the thing that you want everybody oh you on that side oh you you feel good about yourself those voids inside it is only jesus that can do it everything else is not enough only jesus can and so we just have a choice to make guys we have a choice to make do we want to continue to swim do we want to continue to allow our soul to burn and just keep swimming in a pool of gas Or do we want to choose to continually discover a joy like no other as we swim in the endless ocean of the love of God for us? Those are the choices that we have. Those are the choices that we have. And I'm here to tell you the same thing Peter told them. Listen, this Jesus, he's more, he's not who you think you are. He's better. But it's up to us to receive it, to reflect on it, and to relay this beautiful good news to tell other people who are in a bad spot. And if that's you, if you find yourself in a bad spot, I pray that you may receive this message today. I pray that you may realize that, listen, it's okay to know that you're not okay. It's okay to know that you're not perfect. All right? You need to start there. All right? You and I, our rap sheet is worse than you think. And this is what I'm trying to relay to you and praying that the spirit of God opens your eyes. That we are all worse people than we want to even comprehend. We don't want to go there. And I know it's so easy for maybe some of us that we keep ourselves busy or we fill our lives with different things to distract us or to make us feel better. But just because you feel better for a moment doesn't mean that things are going to get better. They stay the same. This is why you have to keep on doubling down and repeating and repeating that cycle over and over again just so you can feel something. Well, I want you to know that you don't have to just feel anything in Christ. No, you get to actually go from existing to living. He loves you still. He loves you and he showed it on the cross. And the only way for things to make things better, you wanna feel better? All right, that's not gonna end well for you. But if you wanna see things better if you want to be made new listen i'm not telling you that life's going to always be perfect that's not it but oh it gets better when you know that you have been forgiven and loved and filled by god himself he is the difference maker and so i really pray that you receive this message today by surrendering your life asking the lord to forgive you and to fill you with your spirit so that you can go from repenting to rejoicing to know that you are more loved than you can ever imagine in Christ. So after you receive it for the rest of us, keep reflecting on this love, keep reflecting on this truth and relay this truth. Those 3000 people are grateful that Peter stood up and called them out in love, in love. That's the key thing. He did it in love. He didn't talk down to him. No, he called out to them in love. So let's relay this message of love in love because it is only the love of Jesus that could quench the sin of our souls it is only he the love of jesus that can satisfy the thirst of our souls it is him and only him it is your responsibility to open up your mouth and to speak this message and it's god's responsibility to open up people's hearts